I'm DeWitt Bingham. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show, where we discuss all things social and criminal justice related, from the front end to the back end, and everything in between. You have a right to remain silent, because anything you say can and will be held against you. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be appointed for you. You're in the self-incrimination protection zone, where there is no cruel and unusual punishment. No illegal search and seizure. The exclusionary rule has you covered. So sit back, relax, and become sold on this week's episode. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justice for All podcast show. I'm DeWitt Bingham, your host. Thank you for tuning in to the show where we discuss all things social justice and criminal justice, where the goals are to inform you, the American citizen, of your constitutional right, to provide educational and occupational guidance to high school and college students, and to be a voice for change. I'm excited about today's show because today's guest believes for every natural problem, there's a spiritual solution. There are seven characteristics that every great volunteer has in common. They are fearless when it comes to giving, have infinite patience, are creative thinkers, are innovative oriented, have a great deal of humility about their work, are driven by passion, and is a team player. This woman has all seven characteristics. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to some and present to others the YWCA-nominated Distinguished Woman of the Year, the incomparable, wonderful Stacey Turner-Yale. Welcome to the show, Ms. Yale. Well, thank you so much. Wow, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> thank to, you. Today's episode, public service. But before we get into our subject, let's learn a little more about our guests. Stacy. what we like to do in the first segment of the show is we like to actually give guidance to high school and college students. And we do that simply by having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would... Give the audience your name. Tell us where you were born and raised, where you went to high school and college, what you studied in college, and talk a little bit about your professional career. Sure. So um, it's so wonderful. I feel very honored to be um, asked to speak on your podcast. <laughs> and uh, my name is Stacy Yale, and I was actually born and raised in Bloomington Normal. And I had the opportunity to attend Normal Community High School, but that was the old Normal Community High School where Kingsley <laughs> is now located. So I'm one of the originals. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then I attended Illinois State University. And um, I studied elementary education and um, got my um, bachelor's degree in elementary education. Uh, shortly after we, well, actually, I ended up doing my student teaching in Maryland because my husband actually graduated college a year before I did. So we moved out to Columbia, Maryland, and we were out there for just a couple of years. Um, I was able to complete my student teaching out there. Uh, we really loved it. It, it was it was a wonderful area, and I'm, I'm glad that we had that opportunity to to be out there for for a couple of years on our own. But uh, unfortunately, I was a very little homesick. It was hard being so far away from home, so we decided to come back to Illinois. 
I love Baltimore. So <laughs> I came back and I started. Yes. Oh, the, the East Coast is amazing. So much to do out there. Lots of history, too. So we came back to Illinois and um, I started substitute teaching for pure. And we were living in Peoria at the time for the for SEPCO, which is um, stands for Special Education Association for Peoria County. And that's actually when I fell in love with the special education population. And that's when I decided to go back to school to fulfill some required classes that I needed to get that um, endorsement in special education. And I started teaching at Peoria Heights High School and I loved it. Absolutely loved working with those high school, that high school population. And um, I was there for a little while and then we decided to start our family and it was a tough decision, but I decided to go ahead and stay at home to raise our two boys, Peter and John. And um, I took a little bit of a hiatus. I did teach preschool for uh, while they were um, while I was a stay at home mom and while they were young. But once they uh, were back in or through elementary school, I started back uh, and now I teach for unit five and I'm over at North Point Elementary. All right. I'm a learning. Yeah. Learning behavior specialist is what they call me. So um, (laughs) I get to work with uh, those with special needs. Awesome. You mentioned your your husband and your boys. Tell us a little bit about your husband and your boys. They are just awesome. I'm sure that's what you believe as well. Oh, I do. I do. They're 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 amazing. So Bob is just he he's the perfect fit for me. We we balance each other well. <laughs> <laughs> he is um, he, very an intelligent, intelligent person, um, and he is very driven. He works for um, the city of Bloomington and uh, has for, oh, goodness, the years just kind of flow by. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure how many years he's been, been with the city of Bloomington, um, but his background, his education is in civil engineering. Okay. So that is his first love is uh, engineering and, and uh, that type of thinking. And um, Peter and John, see, Peter is finishing up his junior year in high school and John is finishing up his sophomore year and um, they're good boys. They they definitely, thankfully, got their um, intelligence from their dad, <laughs> which I'm, I'm happy that they got it from him. <laughs> well, it just cracked me up when uh, Bob had them working on the, was it the deck or what was it that Bob had them building? <laughs> It reminded me so much of my dad when we yes. would come home and you would see a big pile of rock or a big pile of dirt or something that you had to do in order to go, you had to go on the roof. And it was just it just reminded me of that. It was just so funny. He actually was doing oh, that with yes. them. <laughs> Building a shed. <laughs> That's what it was. It was a shed. Yep. <laughs> Let's go into our, our second segment, which is constitutional rights. Okay. This is what the segment that sure. I actually like to ask our guests what their favorite constitutional right is. So what is your favorite constitutional right? There's so many, but I think that the reconstructive amendments, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, um, that provided the civil rights protections, um, regardless of race, age, religion, or sex. And um, I think that that kind of goes into my passion of community service areas of of where I just have a lot of passion towards those that um, have not been treated fairly or may not be... um, perceived as of 
equal. And um, one of my favorite quotes from Martin Luther King is, I guess it's all right to say to a man that he should lift himself up by his own bootstraps, Mm. but it's a cruel jest to say to a bootless man that he should lift himself up by his own bootstraps or a bootless man that he should lift himself up by his own bootstraps. I just feel that not everyone has the same opportunities or are given the same chances in life. And, you know, if someone doesn't have the boots, how can we expect him to pull himself up? And um, so that's kind of where I I think about those that have, um, you know, don't have transportation Mm -hmm. and how how can we tell them you need to just get a job? Um, How are they supposed to get uh, to that place of employment or when um, the children may not have at home food or running water all the time. And we're asking them to go to school and learn. And uh, so I think that that's one of my, um, when I think about what's so important, it's uh, treating all those um, regardless of race, your age, your religion, or your sex, I think treating everybody equally. And supporting your neighbor, I guess. Absolutely. That's awesome. I, I think about a lot of times people say, you know, you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And sometimes I say to myself, well, didn't someone help you? Get to where you are, because I'm just a firm believer that none of us get to where we are without a little bit of help from somebody. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And so it it reminds me of Clarence Thomas, who is one of the Supreme Court justices. I don't know if he's changed his view or not, but he was not or has not been a third good marshal. That's for sure, because he is of the persuasion that you can actually accomplish what you want to accomplish on your own. And I I just don't believe that. But that's awesome. Those are actually three of my favorite constitutional rights, 13th, 14th and the and 15th. All right. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, I think that um, just to follow up from what you were saying, that we all come from different backgrounds and, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying that someone that lives in poverty hasn't worked hard or they haven't used their resources wisely. I have to disagree with that thought process. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I grew up with opportunities and privileges that I didn't know were opportunities and privileges until I became an adult and I started to, to teach. And, you know, I had, I grew up with two parents that raised me, that gave me opportunities that many children don't have. And so comparing my success or my choices to someone else who has not had those privileges or those opportunities, it's not fair. Um, So that's why I think that you know, when I, I'm I'm working with children and then the setting that I'm working with them, and I guess, you know, I'll speak a little bit about that later on, but never before have I seen the difference between those that have and those that have not, mm. um, because I'm actually being able to see inside their homes. And, mm. um, and it definitely is not everyone has the same opportunities. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, as you very well know, the Bible says it's better to give than to receive. To be a giver and not a taker, and to love your neighbor, as you just mentioned, as you love yourself, and to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Stacy epitomizes these be attitudes. So before we move on to the third segment, I just want you to talk a little bit about all the ways you serve Bloomington Normal. 
uh, beginning with my spin class or your spin class that I love to attend. <laughs> because that spin oh, class, I just love that so spin sweet. class. I just love that spin class so much. I, I actually been doing it since I was uh, back at ISU, which I which was over 30 years ago. Yeah. But I, I just enjoy yeah. it so much. You are just such a great motivator. Because I'm just a few months short of sixty. I'm just a few few months short of sixty, so things don't aren't as easy as it used to be. And whenever you, when I'm in your class, you're always motivating me. So talk a little bit about, you know, oh. what what drives you to actually actually do spin, and then talk a little bit about some of the other things that you're involved in. I forget you are actually involved. Sure. You're actually involved in a program that you actually created yourself that has to do with uh-huh. providing uh, things for ones Birthdays. who are less fortunate, right? So, so yeah, yeah. start, start with the spin. Yeah. What, what drive, what actually got you into doing spin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the college days. Oh, okay. So I, uh, I started teaching aerobics. Yeah. I started teaching aerobics back in the college days when step was the 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 fad and everybody was doing the step classes so um but then it gradually turned into cycling and spinning and um i i just love it it's it's such a fun way to um you know, I've gotten to know so many different members at the the health club and um, I've just gotten to know, um, you know, so many different instructors that have that, that same desire for health and fitness. And so it's, I absolutely love it. It's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't for it wasn't fun, and I definitely have awesome. a lot of fun with all of you guys. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Okay, so now go ahead, talk a little bit about the other things that you volunteer. Sure. So I would say that um, about oh goodness, the boys were um, in elementary school, um, but I was still teaching at the preschool, so they were quite young. I want to say seven, six or seven years old, and. Um, I w- I remember um, I was thinking about having a birthday party for one of the boys. I'm not sure which one. And I was thinking about all of the different things that I was going to have to pick up. And um, at that time, the clearhouse was still functioning. And um, since then, unfortunately, it has been closed down. But the clearhouse, for those that remember, is a place for those that could get lunch and um, dinner for those that um, that needed that. And I happened to be driving by the clearhouse and it was during the day and I saw this mom with small children right next to her. And I my heart just sank. And I immediately started to think about those children. Have they ever had a birthday party? Have they ever had these these fun opportunities to be able to to enjoy life in the same way that my my boys were able to. And uh, so that's when I decided um, we needed to do something. So one thing came to another and um, we got the go ahead to, to start to throw monthly birthday parties at the Home Sweet Home Mission for awesome. children um, that were living there. And um, as time has gone on, uh, we now work with the Boys and Girls Club and um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. So um, it's just one of those opportunities to be able to bring a little bit of joy to those children that may not be able to celebrate. And um, and it's 
I think given our family so much more joy um, than we've been able to give others. It really has, um, you know, I think given my boys an, an an opportunity to be able to see um, life in a much different viewpoint than they otherwise would have been able to. Absolutely. I believe that when you volunteer, when you do public service, it does a great deal for you as an individual. And I think that's the reason why the word of God actually stresses that, that we should actually put others before ourselves. All right. Awesome. Okay, let's yes. let's move on to our, our third segment, being a voice for change. Sure. As an educated Caucasian woman, how do you feel about America right now? So that question is really, um, I'll tell you how I felt about America growing up. Okay. Um, I saw America like many of my friends did. I thought that it was where everyone wanted to live. I thought that we were lucky to be Americans. Um, I saw it as a land of plenty, uh, we of freedom, equality. And 9-11 happened. And I was in my 20s um, when that happened. And I remember there was news coverage from all over the world. And I remember watching a news coverage of people in another country celebrating what had happened on 9-11 to us Americans. Mm -hmm. And that was, I am embarrassed to say this, but that was the first time I remember feeling, oh my gosh, not everybody loves America. How sad is that? that I I was so naive and I think naive is the is the biggest way to explain how I was raised um I I just I felt like everybody was you know that we lived in a land of equality um now after 47 years of life I see di- I see a different side to America um one that I'm not proud of all the time. Um, there's been moments where I'm downright ashamed. Um, in all honesty, I had no idea how much racial division there was in our country until this past summer. And I feel very, um, I, I think, embarrassed to say that, that it took me, you know, 46 years in order to realize how much division was still in our country and that our country was very broken. And, um, and that's when I decided that we need to educate ourselves, my family. Um, I, I wanted my boys to grow up differently. I wanted them to know that not everyone was given opportunities like they were. Um, not everyone had a life like they had. Awesome. And so, um, you have helped with that. You have helped um, educate me. We've um, read your books. Um, oh, thank and, you. And uh, your three books that you have written. And that's been that's been a game changer. And uh, this past summer, we um, we took a trip to Birmingham, Alabama and visited uh, the Civil Rights Museum. Well, we wanted to go into the museum, unfortunately, because of COVID, it, it was not open. But we were still able to visit their um, the park that they have out there. Um, and uh, we've got to visit with some locals and it was it's um it's definitely been a road that has led me um there's been times where i am i'm i'm very ashamed of um the life that i had lived and thought 
um, how things were. Um, and I think that it's just kind of an eye opener to realize that that's not necessarily um, how our nation is. And the, you know, the racial disparity that's in our nation, it, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, you know, thinking about how the homelessness that we have mm-hmm. in our in our nation, the racial discrimination that we have, um, child poverty, um, the segregation that we have, with, like the residential segregation, you know, the incarceration, inequality, all, all of these different things that um, there's so much inequality. And, um, and it's a lot, mm-hmm. it's a lot to think about. And, and how, how can I help with that? How, how can I make a difference? Mm-hmm. And that's where I don't have all of the answers, but I feel like I need to educate and I need to just love on others. And, and, um, and that's what we try to do, I guess. Well, you are definitely doing your part. And, you know, sometimes I think that if people can just actually have the mentality that you have, that would make a world of difference. If if people would just have the mentality that they're actually going to give to the less fortunate. And you definitely do that. And I am so appreciative of the fact that you actually have read my books and read because reading the Douglas connection is reading about my family. And so I'm, I'm so appreciative of you always supporting me. And I really appreciate that. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You're an amazing man. Oh, you are. I don't know about all of that, but I'll receive it. <laughs> so, so before we, before we uh, are end here, What's your thoughts on white supremacy and Black Lives Matter? And I'll ask you a question that I asked my mom and sister, and that is when you talk about Black Lives Matter, does that mean that white lives mean less? I mean, what what does what does what does Stacey Turner Yale say? How do I feel about so? First of all, white supremacy, like I was like I was saying about not until I think this past summer did I realize how many people um, in our country still have that belief that the white race is superior. Mm-hmm. And that sickened me when I when I when I realized that. Um, and so that's where I believe that. Black Lives Matter, it's in order to educate those and all of us that they have not been treated with equality and that um, there is such a thing as equity. So we need to help bring up our our African-American race and we need to help them in order to be equal because right now it's not equal. And, um, and I feel like, um, you don't, it's, it's kind of with our students, um, not everybody needs the same thing in order to succeed. Uh, the students that I work with may need a little bit more, um, a little bit more help. And it's because they don't have the same opportunities or, or they don't have the same, um, they're not, they don't have the same abilities is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. yeah. as everyone else. And so they may get extra time to do an an assignment or, um, 
And so we have different modifications and accommodations that we can do with, with our students. It's the same type of thing with our, our African-American population. We need to give them the same opportunities in order to succeed because there is, like I was saying um, previously, the, just for instance, the, the child poverty rate, mm-hmm. um, those that are African-American are so much, it's so much higher than the white population. Yes. And why is that? It's because they haven't had, there's a residential segregation that we have, our health insurance inequality. There's so many different um, things that go into that. And I, so that's where I think that because the racial inequality, it, I think that if we remain silent when we face it, we're contributing to it and uh, that racial inequality. And we can't, it, we can't remain silent. I think that we need to get out of our comfort zone and, you know, we need to speak up for those that, um, that just need more support. Amen. As we come to a close, I always ask all my guests this one question. What's the one thing you like to see the Biden administration accomplish? So I feel like... Because of myself, because I've been an educator um, or am an educator, I think child poverty is is one that um, hits close to my heart. Um, you know, like I said before, this year has only highlighted that division that I see between those that have and those that have not. And, you know, I think that um, the, the rate is one in six children in America live in poverty. Wow. Um, and which is absolutely that's a huge amount. And so child poverty, it stunts, you know, their, the children's development. They are more likely to have poor academic achievement, um, more likely to drop out of high school, more likely to be unemployed, and then are more likely to be involved in the, in the criminal justice system. So um, I would love for um, the Biden administration to invest in our kids, invest in um, their economic future. And um, and if it's possible to um, close that gap that mm-hmm. we have in the education system. I see Head Start as a very valuable program. And so it, is that definitely. OK, OK. I, I was I was wondering yeah. what you thought about Head Start. And those yeah. who are less fortunate being a part of that program. Absolutely. Um, I actually had a conversation with a mom um, at the homeless shelter about um, just a few weeks ago about um, her her son. And um, she was excited to be able to put him into a, a preschool setting um, because he was not, I, I want to say he was turning three and mm-hmm. he was going to be eligible and she was worried because he was not able to talk. And um, so he was going to be able to get those opportunities for um, therapy and all of those different things because of the program there. So I absolutely support support that um, because that is definitely what those children need, um, getting them to receive that free education and, and the, those opportunities to be able to be um, socializing around other kids their ages. Yeah. Very important. Awesome. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, pathway to becoming a public servant, humility and love necessary and what needs to be changed to make America great until next time. Keep living your best life. God bless and Godspeed. (laughs) 